Hi guys, hope everyone's well and welcome back to the Improvement Podcast. So in this episode I'm going to touch on range of motion. After last week speaking about uh, muscle length, uh, so both kind of tie into the two, hence why I'm doing them in the order I'm doing them in. So in terms of why I'm creating this episode, it's basically to help give you the understanding of what range of motion to work through on different exercises and why you should potentially do so. And uh, like I said, it ties in nicely from that muscle length episode, hence why I'm doing it afterwards. So, first of all, what is range of motion? So, the range of motion is basically the degree of movement a specific joint in the body goes through. For example, if the elbow joint, you go from your elbow being fully straight to your elbow being like fully bent, then you are taking your elbow joint through a full range of motion. And where it gets a bit more complicated is muscles don't just go over one joint sometimes. Sometimes muscles cross over two joints. And what that basically means is what happens at more than one joint will affect a muscle's length. For example, if let's say we are training our bicep and we are doing a bicep curl. If we are doing a bicep curl from behind our body, meaning our elbows behind our body during a bicep curl, that's us in a more stretched position because the bicep crosses over the shoulder joint and also the elbow joint so that's fully stretched uh, so it gets a bit complicated but i'm going to try not really over complicate it for the sake of this episode because there's not really much need to i'm just going to touch on some key concepts and considerations when it comes to range of motion in terms of what range of motion you should potentially want to work through so first of all active range of motion Active range is basically what you can actively access, as the word suggests. And what I mean by active is you can do without the machine, the barbell, dumbbell, or whatever other implement you're using in the gym is forcing you in. For example, if let's say you are doing a bench press, in terms of how to assess your active range, what you basically want to do is if you let's say hold the bar in your hand in the position you're going to do for your working set or you don't even need to use the bar for this example you just lie on the bench like you're going to bench press and roll the bar or roll your hands down pretending let's say you're doing a movement without the barbell see where your hands stop go as far down as you can see if let's say you can't touch your chest without the bar in your hands then you might not want to do it with the bar in your hands because that will be reaching a passive range of motion and the, the the thought process is being in let's say a passive range of motion isn't necessarily good for your joints which we'll get to but basically yeah what can you actively get to or where can you actively get to without a machine or implement forcing you in that range so like i said if you're doing a like barbell bench press just sit on the bench roll your hands down see how far you can get that's your active range you've assessed so that's basically where you can actively get to without being forced in a position. That And maybe some considerations I'll get to in terms of why we don't want to be in that passive position. And in terms of a passive range, that on the other hand is in just basically working in a range past where we can actively go. So I touched on active range. Passive range is basically when we go further than our active range and potentially putting ourselves in a vulnerable position so if you can't go right down and touch your chest with your hands or without a weight in your hands and you barbell bench press and you touch your chest then the bar is forcing you there the bar is 
putting you in that position that you can't actually get in without it. And that is basically your passive range. Another example is, let's say, on the leg press. If on the leg press, let's say you're sitting on the seat, you don't unrack the foot plate, and you just basically pull pull your knee towards you and see how deep you can go without the machine and without you putting your feet on the machine. You just do it with your leg in the air. You see how far you can go. That's basically your active range. Whereas if, let's say, you load up your working set weight on the leg press and then let it squash you as far down as you can go, that's your passive range. And if, let's say, you've had two shoulder surgeries, it might not be a great idea going into a passive range on let's say, a barbell bench press, you might want to stay in your active range when doing so uh, because it can potentially put more stress on, like, say, your tendons, ligaments, that sort of thing and uh, put you in a position where you are vulnerable because you've not got control in that position. You've not got the ability to get into that position without any weight. So putting an implement like a barbell in your hands and forcing you in there could mean you've got a lack of stability or lack of balance there and the lack of control over it and could have a greater ability to maybe like tweak a muscle group or your joints might like have some wear and tear over time and not feel that great from being in that position. So that is something to potentially consider when training for a range of motion. Do you want to use let's say an active range of motion or do you want to use a passive range of motion? And as I touched on in the muscle length video, we should most likely be going through as large a range of motion as we possibly can and specifically going into that stretch position. And the reason being is we build muscle best in the middle and lengthened range. So it doesn't make sense, let's say, doing a squat and only going halfway down so we can lift more when we can get more depth. When we can do it actively, pain-free and safely, it makes sense to do so. For example, like on a squat, if, let's say, you're only going to parallel, you are missing out on a large like part of that movement where you can get a greater stretch on muscles like your quads for example uh, so it really makes sense to do so same applies let's say during a, a rowing movement like you wouldn't do a row and stop before your arms are fairly straight so why would you do that during any other movement and uh, same with let's say like a like a rack pull i don't see the purpose of let's say doing rack pulls because when we think about like a rack pull that's a perfect example of why or this is a perfect example of a poor exercise due to a little range of motion so when we think about a rack pull we're not biasing or targeting anything in particular an awful lot we're basically working in a very small range of motion we're taking no muscle group through a large range of motion and just basically using a bit of everything to lift the weight when we think about it because it's spread across many many muscle groups in our body like our quads our back are traps which are part of your back uh, so yeah it's just spread across a lot of muscle groups so you're just in a really mechanically strong position but you're not targeting anything in particular which is basically the opposite we want to do when it comes to building muscle muscle building muscle is the complete opposite we want to basically put as much stress on one target muscle as much as we possibly can most of the time and uh, something else to consider is the stimulus versus fatigue ratio when we're working through an exercise uh, so a thought pro this is basically the thought process of how much stimulus you're getting for the amount of fatigue you're getting from an exercise, meaning how much stress, how much are you actually targeting the desired muscle when you are performing, let's say, a movement versus how much fatigue are you getting from it. A good example is a deadlift 
or we'll say a rat pull. That may stimulate your back, okay, but it might bring about a ton of fatigue. Because think about the amount of weight you're lifting when we are doing a deadlift. We are, or sorry, a rack pull, sorry. Think about how much weight we're lifting. We are, we could maybe lift, if let's say you can deadlift 100 kilograms for your one rep, then you can probably rack pull 150 kilograms for one rep, maybe even more, most likely even more, uh, depending on the range of motion. As a result, due to having more weight, we're accumulating a lot more fatigue from that movement. And that fatigue, well, basically fatigue impacts our ability to progress and our ability to perform on movements throughout the rest of the session and also the rest of the week. If, let's say, you do something that's really fatiguing and then you go into a session the day after, that might even affect that session. So fatigue doesn't just affect what's happening in that one session. It can impact following sessions as well, which is something very important to consider. So when picking a movement like uh that's why a rack pull might not be the best exercise whereas if we take the stiff leg deadlift that will stimulate your back much better while also having less fatigue and the reason being is it takes your back through a larger range of motion so oh no sorry the range of motion doesn't change a lot but we are bending over a lot more which will put a lot more stress on our back which will train our erectors a lot more effectively and the rest of our upper back musculature because when let's say we're at the top of a rack pull all our joints are stacked so there's not much tension on any one joint whereas if let's say we are at the bottom of a stiff leg deadlift we are basically bent over horizontal to the ground then there's a lot of tension on our back because our joints aren't stacked they are basically as far away from stacked as they can be in terms of your back musculature anyway so that's going to mean there's a lot of load on your erectors and as well as that you'll take your hamstrings through basically their full range of motion when you're doing a stiff leg deadlift as well so you'll get more bang for your buck you'll be putting more stress on your back less on your joints and you'll also be taking your hamstrings through a larger range of motion so as a result that will give you a better stimulus for your back and also less fatigue so how come it's less fatigue so it's less fatigue because when we are performing it, we have less load we're, be able, we're able to lift because we can't stiff like deadlift as much as we can rack pull. The difference will probably be somewhat drastic. And same with, let's say, a conventional deadlift. We can probably conventional deadlift more than we can stiff like deadlift. So that means we're still reaching failure, still training our muscle groups effectively and taking them through a larger range of motion while getting less fatigue from the movement which will mean we can perform well on the other movements as well. Another example is, let's say, the leg press. Let's say during a leg press, we are going... We, If you've ever seen someone load up like a ridiculous amount of plates and do a very, very small range of motion in the gym, then like they could be lifting, let's say, 500 kilograms. But again, they're getting not a lot of range of motion. Of, they're not getting a lot of bend at the knee. And as a result... If they're not getting a lot of bend at the knee, we're not training our quad through a large range of motion. We are not taking it in that middle and also a stretch position, which means we're probably not going to be building muscle effectively from that exercise. So in that case, that's going to have a poor stimulus. And because we're using an absolute ton of load, let's say 500 kilograms, because we're using a tiny range of motion, 500 kilograms, we're still lifting that. We're still experiencing that on our body. We're still managing that load. 
So that's going to accumulate a lot of fatigue for not a lot of stimulus. So it's not got a good bang for its buck in the exercise, if that makes sense. Whereas if, let's say, we used 200 kilograms and we went as deep as we possibly could with good form, not letting our hips rise or our lower back rise off the seat, and let's say we can basically get a full bend at our knee, let's say we can get our hamstring to touch our calf, we're getting a lot of bend at the knee. We're going to be taking our quad through much larger range of motion and we're going to be accumulating much less fatigue because we're not using as much load from it. And if you don't believe me or if you don't understand what I mean, try it. Try doing, let's say, an exercise using a very small range of motion and then see how battered you feel after it from using a lot of weight. Or, or let's say, after that, do a set and go through a large range of motion as you possibly can. I bet with a set when you're using as large range of motion as you possibly can for the target muscle, it's going to feel a lot more battered. It's going to feel a lot more stimulated from doing a movement. So basically, in our training, we want maximal stimulus with little fatigue, ideally. There's some caveats to it because we could say that for everything. We could, let's say, not do big movements like a deadlift because it will be fatiguing. But deadlifts are valuable to perform. If you look at someone who's got a really good deadlift or a really good straight leg deadlift, their back and their hamstrings and their glutes will be extremely developed. Whereas someone who doesn't, they might have, let's say, their back might look a bit flat, if that makes sense, even though it's wide because they don't have a lot of thickness through it from doing things like a, a stiff leg deadlift. So yeah, ideally, for the most part, we do want maximal stimulus for a little fatigue, really, which we can basically do through using a large range of motion on movements, controlling the tempo as well. And in terms of what to do, like if, let's say, you're wanting to improve your range of motion, let's say you do a hack squat, let's say usually you only go to parallel, but you want to get more range of motion, but it's painful. Usually, I'm not a physio, but this is my opinion, and this is my thought process. Uh, so basically, when we are trying to, let's say, let's say you only go to parallel, but you are now trying to go as deep as you possibly can on any form of squats. So at the bottom of a squat, there's a lot of tension on our knee. Usually, just before the bottom or at the bottom, our knee is farthest over our toe, which means there's a lot of stress on the knee joint. There's also a lot of compressive forces on the knee joint. I'm not going to get into how or what the rationale behind that is or why there's a lot of compressive force, but if you don't believe me, DM me and I'll explain that further. But for this podcast, I'm not wanting to go into it. It's just going to be basically overcomplicating the sake of this episode. But basically... Uh, there's a lot of tension on our knee and on our quad and it can be painful if let's say you're not used to visiting that range so what I'd recommend you do if let's say visiting a range of motion sore is work the load back for example if let's say you're currently doing 100 kilograms on squats and it's sore at the bottom then what I'd recommend you do is maybe drop it to whatever load is pain free and work in a pain or work with a pain free load in as large a range of motion as you possibly can so if that's 60 kilograms, do 60, but do, let's say, a three-second eccentric and then drive back up and gradually work your way back up in a pain-free range. Because if, let's say, if you're not used to doing that range of motion and you visit it suddenly with a lot of weight, our joints aren't used to being in that position, aren't used to being in that range of motion and having that amount of stress on the joint in that range. So we need to basically work through a range our joint can tolerate. Or, sorry work through a range in 
a manner or with a load that are joint can tolerate because if we don't we will just be having battered knees that sort of thing and uh, yeah so using a really slow lowering phase pausing at the bottom then driving up in a squat for example and then getting accustomed to experiencing load in that range and then slowly working it up that's what i've done myself in the past and uh, is very valuable and also we actually build our tendon strength when we are working in that stretch position so arguably it's going to help over time in terms of keeping your joints nice and healthy training for that range and overall if you're using a larger range you're using less weight which is arguably less stress on your joints and more stress on the target muscle in my opinion so yeah uh, i think that's about it for this episode so basically we we want to work through as large range of motion as we possibly can uh, because we build muscle best in the middle and stretch position and also when we train through a large range of motion we'll most likely get more stimulus so more stress on the target muscle a better a better effect on the target muscle but we'll also get less fatigue from it meaning we won't be as battered we won't be feeling as tired we won't perform poorer on uh, following movements and when i say fatigue something i probably should have said at the start i'm i should have said central nervous system fatigue so fatigue in our cns in other words and not peripheral fatigue not fatigue in the target muscle we will get a better fatigue in the target muscle through a larger range of motion but worse fatigue through our central nervous system if we work through a, like a small range of motion so and we've also got lastly an active and a passive range of motion your active range of motion is whatever range of motion you can actively go in without the machine or the bar or the dumbbell forcing you in a position and that's potentially a bit safer to do than if you visit let's say a passive range because the load could potentially be passed on your tendons your ligaments you could potentially be in a compromised or unstable position so it's something that you may not want to do if let's say you have let's say two so two shoulder surgeries you might not want to force yourself in a position you can't access without the bar on the bottom of a bench press for example i'm not saying it's right or wrong to use a passive range there's certain scenarios where it might be okay and it might be more applicable than others uh, in my opinion but just use that information and work out for yourself what you think would be best to do but i hope you've enjoyed the episode thank you very much for listening if you've got any topics you want me to cover and uh, any questions you have then please feel free to drop me a message but if you did enjoy it like share it on your story leave a rating and review all the support has been greatly appreciated on the podcast recently